I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll think... tell you what I think. What's that you say? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. Well, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Hey. Hey. Listen. Shut up and listen. Hi, everybody. It's me, Heather Matarazzo. Welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen. This time, it is from a new location. I'm no longer living in downtown Los Angeles. Thank God. Um, (laughs) And so this is the first episode um, that's being recorded since the move, which we're like 98% done with. Anyway, um, I just want to give a quick shout out to all of my listeners. Thank you for tuning in every week. Um, I missed you guys last week. I'm glad to be back. And also a special thank you to my Patreons. Um, there's going to be a lot of really exciting stuff happening over the next few weeks heading into the fall. Now we have Nenea saying her two cents. Um, And yeah, it's happy eclipse season, everybody. That's all I've got to say. And okay, so on to why you guys are evening. Why you guys are even tuning in. Um, The guest that I have today, I met via Twitter. Um, and we've been friends now for probably close to a year, maybe a little more. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, you guys know him on Twitter as uh, No Totally. Hmm. Um, Sean Lau, welcome. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, dude. Thanks for coming on. I'm I'm so excited. Yes. Um, I'm the dog chair, as I normally am when I hang out with you. Uh, tag along, little buddy. Yeah, yeah, she's being she's being really good. It's we're it's a new setup. We're sitting in the kitchen, at the kitchen table. I feel like there's a good vibe here. There is a good vibe, right? Yeah. Like I feel like this is like it's it's the the welcoming section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the most intimate things happen in the kitchen. That's like very the most true. Intimate combos. I think that's kind of like the heart of the home. Yes. That in the bedroom. Total. Yes. That. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, both the uh, different. What my brain? <laughs> my brain's not working. I'm. I'm. So right now, I am. Uh, we're, we're like you and I are kind of like opposite ends of like the romantic spectrum right now. I think. Uh, I don't know how much you want to go into this, but like I. So I am going to be officially divorced in like two weeks maybe a little bit longer than that congratulations thank you so much i'm i'm very excited um i've actually hit a point where i don't like want to talk shit about my ex-wife all the time Mm -hmm. uh which is probably less entertaining but like i feel really good about you know not being a dick anymore um but but it is uh it is an interesting uh situation uh not interesting in the sense that like I have a story about it, but like emotionally, it's very interesting. 
How so? Well, <clears throat> so my wife and I were together for about 12 years total. Uh, and it's really, you know, I don't know. Uh, we have been, we've been apart for about eight months or about six months now. We decided to get divorced about eight months ago. And it's just, it's interesting, you know, when, when a decision is so correct, how, how much easier it can be. Right. You know, I've had breakups that were much, uh, the relationships were much shorter than 12 years and, it was really difficult. And it's not to say that I, you know, didn't love my wife and everything, but just kind of when you get to a point and you're like, you know, this is, this is the decision that needs to be made, whether it's, you know, staying together or, or, or breaking apart. Um, yeah. You know, it has a way of kind of, uh, feeling right. Well, the truth feels good. Yeah. And actually I, I bring this up and you know, I'm, I'm pretty open with, everything uh on my podcast and on my twitter um so if you know if i make if i make you uncomfortable or anything um which i doubt right that's gonna be hard to do yeah well let's see (laughs) well uh i think one of the reasons why my why my brain kind of reached for that whole situation is because you and i became particularly close around the time that my you know around the time that my wife and i had decided to get divorced so this was around the end of 2016 and kind of like I am on Twitter all the time, just like kind of spilling my guts late at night about, you know, being sad about the whole thing and kind of, you know, at first it felt like this, this really great decision. But then of course you go through this whole like realization of like all the things that are going to end. And I was tweeting about it and you DM'd me, uh, like you said, we've, we've kind of known each other for a, a fairly long time, uh, in Twitter speak. Um, but, we hadn't really had like a, a heart to heart or, you know, any kind of really close connected conversation before yeah. then. Um, and I was like, I was in bad shape. Um, why don't you actually, since I am also an interviewer, this might get interesting. Um, <laughs> why don't, tell me, tell me what you remember about that conversation. I, I mean, I remember seeing your Twitter feed and you were saying that um, to really paraphrase that it was, it was really, really bad mm-hmm. that you were feeling really bad. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. I, I, I almost remember you saying that you might've been suicidal. Um, I don't remember exactly. I know that there, there, uh, so I have, I've struggled with depression and anxiety and, and that kind of thing for a long time. So I think, that may have come up. I'm not sure that I was suicidal at at that time. Yeah, it it was like I definitely I reached out um, after you had posted this long long Twitter thread mm-hmm. about just the, the the dark place that you were in, mm-hmm. and um, I DM'd you and I said, "Call me." Yeah. Um, and you did, and we ended up having a, a two and a half hour conversation. And I think I'd recently just gotten back from my MDMA experience mm-hmm. and I had shared with you how, you know, I too had suffered from depression and suicidal ideation and <clears throat> how that experience had changed my life, how, you know, meeting Heather and, and the, 
the circumstances surrounding our um, getting together mm. came about. And, you know, yeah, and, and, the, and the truth is, is that I feel as though everything happens exactly the way that it's meant to. Mm -hmm. And I say this all the time, but just for me personally. Um, and, you know, from that conversation, you know, and, and we talked like a lot about the depression and we talked a lot about both of our histories, yeah. you know, and our, our family history growing up. Mm -hmm. you know, our, our moms, yeah. um, and that whole deal. And, you know, from, from there, you know, you were moving from San Diego to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really like how our, how our relationship started, yeah. you know, and I'm very selective with the people that I reach out to, Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. very, very, um, where I either feel connectively pulled toward, okay, like I, this feels like a safe individual with which to share my experience and maybe offer some comfort Yeah. or I just, am like, nope, yeah. nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like thus a thus a friendship was born. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, people like us taking things like this from tragedy. It's you know, it's like if, in a way, it's kind of the only thing that that not the only thing. In a way, it's it's one of the big things that that we've had to do. I think in our lives, and so it comes somewhat naturally. Um, but yeah, it's it it's it's always amazing to find someone who, you know, even if our biographies aren't, you know, exactly aligned, that you have this very, um, this very similar kind of emotional and spiritual and intellectual kinship with, um, and yeah, it's, it's, you find it in the weirdest places, you know? Yeah. And I feel like too, it's the, um, bless you. Um, it's getting to be awake. And getting to, I mean, for fuck's sakes, like it's, it's absolutely everything. I was, I was actually driving with Heather <clears throat> the other day and we were making a left-hand turn. I don't know why that's important, but it is. <laughs> and this dude that was in front of us was driving this truck and he got out of his car and he opened up his trunk and I saw a Trump pinata head <laughs> and I was like yeah. what <laughs> and so he got back in his car and I honked the horn and I stuck my <laughs> um, arm out the window to be like good job but he didn't he didn't see me and so we ended up rolling right next to him and I rolled down my window and I was like was that a Trump pinata <laughs> and he was like yeah and I was like excellent like <laughs> incredible 
<laughs> and it was a beautiful, beautiful moment, and it was a beautiful, beautiful exchange. And the reason that I bring this up is, A, that is not who I used to be. Hmm. Like, even a year ago. Hmm. Like, painfully shy, yeah. will not talk to strangers, will not engage, even if I desire to. Just... um so sensitive yeah like so so sensitive and you know really over the course of like this last year especially and that and that i think is really like the beautiful thing and and is is really rare which is why i'm i'm so grateful for relationships like with you and and lauren warren and chanel little and you know um all of the friends that we have in common yeah. is that um, it's really getting to find a tribe yeah. of of people that at their core um, are the same. Yeah. And, and each then getting to demonstrate their unique gifts yeah. emotionally, spiritually, mentally intellectually yeah and that i i never once rolled my eyes like that (laughs) it's the first time i feel like in my in my experience as an adult that my relationships really um i have such respect for my friends Mm. yeah i think that's one of the really underrated things about twitter is that uh once you start getting kind of deep into it and making friends like that, what you start to realize is that a lot of our friends throughout our lifetimes are kind of friendships of convenience. Mm. You know, like I'm this person's friend because we went to the same school in sixth grade. And that's, you know, that's fairly random. It's not like, it's not like you had any, uh, besides your, your age similarity, it's not like you had any real thing in common with that person necessarily. Right. And it's limited to who's going to that school, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, uh, but with Twitter, because people, oh. you know, Nenea. <laughs> Nenea never barks. Oh, I feel like, I feel like maybe there's something dangerous. No, I, Nenea is essentially a cat in a dog's body. Yeah. And I think that there's a kitten that lives oh. right across the way. <laughs> so Nenea literally sits in her spot and she just stares out the window. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, That's adorable. <laughs> She's doing it right now. It's really, really cute. It's the cutest. It's the <laughs> cutest. And I'm so, I'm so, I'm just so fucking glad they're so happy. Um, but yes, sixth grade, getting to have oh, yeah. be the same age. Yeah, so you know, on, on Twitter, you really get to because people choose the extent to which they're going to communicate their true selves. You can get an idea of of people, um, and if if that's something that interests you, you know, people who are kind of people who spill their guts or people who uh, are very passionate about certain things. You can find that a lot more, um, not easily necessarily on Twitter, but you can, you'll find people who are closer to kinship than convenience, right? And uh, yeah, I I just think that's a really, really underrated part of Twitter and it speaks to a lot of what 
you're saying about, you know, having these friends feeling like being feeling like you're a part of a tribe for the first time is something that I really, really identify with. And, you know, it's it is like you mentioned, you know, Lauren, our friend who is in Canada, um, Chanel, who has <laughs> these kids that are like ridiculous. Um, these are not people that I would like necessarily meet even you, right? Like not necessarily people I would just like run into and kind of form friendships with. But, um, but at the same time, like now I can't imagine not having these connections, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like Twitter should be paying me because I've been talking a lot lately about how good it is, but Twitter's Mm -hmm. good. Everybody. If you're not on Twitter, you're missing things. Well, you know what? I would say this. I would say that Twitter is neutral Mm -hmm. and that how one uses anything, right? You know, like you use electricity, you can power your house or you can, you know, kill yourself. Yeah. You know, so I feel like there, there is something to be said about... Because I'll tell you what, too, like Matthew A. A. Cherry, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, who just got his account suspended on Twitter and him being smart enough to like have a backup account yeah, um, and getting to see that, you know, so like, yes, there's like a lot of beautiful things on Twitter, but also like there's a lot of fuckery (laughs) there's there's an incredible 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 amount of fuckery so i really do feel as though um like with anything else right you can use it to spread hate Mm -hmm. and violence and intimidation and just horrible whatever the fuck yeah or you can use it to really try to create change but like just remembering it's like if I was to give you a literal like soapbox mm-hmm. right like yeah. the soapbox isn't good or bad the soapbox right. is the soapbox it's the platform yeah it's how you utilize the platform that really determines whether it's going to be a positive or a negative experience yeah yeah definitely I, I think the thing that's unique about Twitter is that it's different for everyone depending on how you are interacting with it, how you're using it. Yeah. Right? So I block a lot of people. I mute a lot of people, um, but, yeah. but I follow a good amount of people uh, and a good amount of people follow me. And so, you know, I mean, there, there is that thing where it's like, you know, people say, Oh, you, you, you're, you're in a bubble and you're shielding yourself from whatever. I mean, like I, I understand there are people out there who want to kill me, kill my friends and, you know, who, who have these ideas about what, you know, for example, America should look like. I'm well aware of that stuff. So I don't necessarily need to, to feel threatened, you know, all the time to, to remember that it's there. Um, but I think, yeah, as long as you, as long as you really like, I think people get guilted out of really mediating their experience on Twitter. And the more you do that, I feel like the more, opportunity you're going to have to find real kinship with people which is amazing and it took me a while i mean it probably took me a year and a half two years on twitter to really understand all of that and to really kind of aggressively seek out because like i said we're, we're used to friendships of convenience so there would be some people where i'd be like yeah i kind of get along with this person i can tweet back and forth with them yeah they're like my best friend on twitter 
uh, and you know, and then you kind of realize like, well, no, like you, I, I like three of the same bands. That's not really, yeah, you know, the kind of thing, the kind of kinship I'm necessarily looking for. Yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely, and also like, I feel as though some of the biggest learning experiences that I've had mm. have been on Twitter. Yeah, you know, um, I just had one the other day where somebody, and I feel like. Like, God damn it. It's like it <clears throat> it's a lesson that like I'm continually, continually learning. Mm-hmm. It's happened three times within the past year. <laughs> um you know, and I'm like, did I I'm like, did I talk about this in my episode with April? Why Maybe don't not. I don't I don't what know. Is, what is it? Um <laughs> But no, like I, I just very, very recently within the last week, somebody had tweeted something and I was having a day. <laughs> I wasn't even aware that I was having a day and I had quoted the tweet and I had said something and then they responded and then I responded to their response and they were like, I think that you're fighting the wrong person here. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. And I ended up DMing them and through the DM getting to see the truth of um, that what they had said had like absolutely fucking triggered me. And I never understood mm. that word before. Yeah. I thought that it was such a bullshit word. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and now I get it in yeah. an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly deep way. And... I got to apologize, you know, um, and I, I got to see the truth about like what it was that was going on. And, and in those, in those instances, like Twitter has allowed me because I think that there's a, there's a sense of safety in which, People will clap back, mm-hmm. right? But if you're at lunch with somebody, um, th- th- that might not necessarily happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there. I think there's a freedom with which to set boundaries and defend yourself and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there's also, and I've had several where <laughs> I, I'm having a fucking day. <laughs> I'm just having a fucking day and it just fucking sets me (laughs) off. I, you know, freedom to fuck up is a big thing, right? And it's not something that we, I think especially like, you know, I'm not the expert in all things Los Angeles. I've only lived here a short amount of time, but like there is, there is that very stereotypical, but true, um, kind of emphasis on presentation here. Uh, that I've noticed in in the short time that I've been here, and you know that that does, regardless of where you live, that kind of thing does make it really hard to have conversations one on one with people um, if you're concerned about how you're presenting, right? And I think that goes to what you're saying on Twitter. You can you have a little bit more freedom to fuck up because you're not in that situation extemporaneously with someone right in front of you waiting for an answer necessarily, you know. Um, not not having to see people's facial expressions sometimes is a really powerful thing. I, I would assume for you uh, as much for me because I think both of our moms, you know, besides all the other issues, 
uh, it sounds like they were both pretty inscrutable, inscrutable. And so that makes, I think that makes us very sensitive to, to things like, you know, very slight facial expression changes and really worrying about disappointing the person that you're talking to in real time, which, which makes it very, very hard to, you know, not be defensive and have the freedom to fuck up. Right. Well, I, I'm like, I'm clarify what you mean because I'm, I'm stuck on the word inscrutable. Oh, um, just, uh, like I feel like for my mom and, and the conversations that I had with you about yours, like one thing that was very difficult was kind of knowing where you stand with her. Um, my mom, like I didn't, I didn't really know when she was mad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I was constantly in a defensive position. Yes. Um, and, and that was terrifying. And I feel like a lot of times when I'm talking to people, you know, uh, in real life, not on Twitter or not through a screen, um, there is that kind of, you know, watching very intently and being like, okay, I'm, I need to read this person's emotions at every second. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I would say this though, too. Um, is that that was absolutely not only like who I was offline, Mm. but even on Twitter, Mm. emails, whatever the fuck. What is the tone? And rightly or, or, and and here's the thing too, that, that rarely ever gets talked about is that there is an intuition that becomes so finely honed when you were living with an individual with whom is an emotional terrorist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you are on a daily basis walking through an emotional landmine mm-hmm. that and you don't know where they are. You don't yeah. know where the landmines are. Yeah. Um, and so I, I carried that in, in onto Twitter. I mean, I remember when I like first got onto Twitter and I think what's his fuck Judd Apatow had followed me mm. <laughs> and then he unfollowed me Oh, and I was like, why? Yeah. Bubba. Like, I'm yeah. just like curious, like why? Yeah. And I asked him on Twitter <laughs> Yeah. and this was like back in 2009, 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know any better. Right. And I took it so personally. Yep. Um, and now, like, I could give a fuck. Yeah. Um, you know, but there is something to be said that when I unfollow somebody, mm-hmm. because that takes effort. Yeah. It yeah. takes effort <laughs> to actually go and find an unfollow. Yeah. Um, especially after you've been following. Yeah. But anyway, the whole entire <laughs> point to all of this is that... <clears throat> Now, thanks to doing a fuck ton of work mm. and no longer being held hostage by the emotional trauma mm-hmm. in the sense of um, 
my mom's ghost isn't driving the ship anymore. Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. And I did a fuck ton of work to get there. Yeah. So with that, I really do not give a fuck. <laughs> and that if I see something's going on, and this is the difference, mm. that if I see something's up, whether it's in person or online or whatever the fuck, mm-hmm. I will call it out and I will ask. Yeah. Like very honestly and very upfront. Yeah. Um, and it's not coming from a passive place of, are you mad at me? <laughs> like, ba ba ba. Like, what else? Like, ba da 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 da. And what yeah. also like people don't recognize is that that really is coming from like a place of self preservation. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know about you, but like for me, um, I didn't know what the limit was. Mm. Like I didn't know what was going to happen. Right. You know, and I didn't yeah. get beat with like belts and chains and like whatevs. Yeah. Um, though I like did have experiences of getting hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there is something that that emotional terrorism and emotional abuse in that way can be a lot more damaging at times, not in all situations, but mm-hmm. at times more so than physical abuse. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's all about kind of the way that our brains get trained. Like yeah. if you, if you get, physically abused and i'm not obviously i'm not i don't want to trivialize any form of abuse whatsoever. yeah we're not doing that people yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh you know if, if you are physically abused but it's kind of in in a way that makes quote-unquote logical sense right every time you know if if every time you touch a hot stove it burns you then you have something to kind of grab onto and realize uh metaphorically grab onto uh and realize that like you know if i don't touch the hot stove then i'm not going to get burned um, a lot of times with the emotional abuse that you're talking about, that we've been talking about, you have no idea what's going to cause it. And like None. you said, you also don't know the ceiling, which is terrifying, um, which I think is really important. That's something that I think a lot of people don't talk about is, you know, you, you don't know what the end game is or what the, you don't know what the other person is capable of at a certain point. And you just want to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's your parent, it's like, you know, the, this is a person who is supposed to be protecting you. This is a mm-hmm. person that you are supposed to feel safe with. Yes. And it, it screws you up in a lot of different ways um, in terms of, you know, tr- classic trust issues and that kind of thing. But just, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. I feel like Twitter has been actually really therapeutic as far as that's concerned, because I think you were talking earlier about kind of everything, you know, being sensitive to everything and kind of like needing to interpret everything. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have really learned to embrace about Twitter is the speed of it. Mm. Um, so I, I really don't have time to kind of slow down and try to analyze every single thing that's, that's coming in. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a privilege that I have because I have a certain amount of followers that I know that, you know, most of my tweets are going to get replied to in a lot of different ways. Um, and I, I've been recognizing more and more that if I, if I ignore a response, you know, if I read it and I'm like, huh, that's an, that's, that's a reply, you know, um, I don't really have anything to say 
to it. Maybe I agree with it. Maybe I don't, uh, but yeah. I just, I don't really have any response. So I'll just like, let it be. Um, you know, recently I've been able to, to see that as not being a personal attack on the person who made that reply, you know, could I, cause I would always think like if I was the person that made that reply and I didn't get responded to, I would feel very, uh, I don't know, abandoned or, you know, or mm. disrespected. Mm. And really it's just, I, I feel like most people in the world aren't like that. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it is that level of sensitivity that, um, is good in, in some cases, in some situations, um, that leads us, I think, to love in, in a different way or, you know, in a very specific way, um, to love and care for, for the people that we love and care for. Um, but, but at the same time, when you extend that to everybody, you know, strangers and it's just, uh, it's not, it's not any way to take care of yourself. Um, and it's not authentic. It. Yeah. And it's, right. and it's not, and that's a thing. It's like, it's not authentic when yeah. there's no boundary set. And I think that also comes from, <clears throat> I had been raised to believe that I owed everyone everything, mm-hmm. you know, like starting with like, if it wasn't for like, I'm the only one that loves you. Nobody else loves you. Yeah. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. You know, cause I was adopted. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And then you take that and then you add that layer of quote unquote fame and being an actor and having fans and all that stuff. If it wasn't for the fans, you wouldn't be here. Right. If it wasn't for the fans, you wouldn't have a career. Ba, 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 ba. So, so again, like it's another extension of ownership yeah. of being owned. Um, and, and then you are no longer a person. You know, and yeah. I had to go through the experience of essentially, you know, Maxine Waters like reclaimed her time. I'm recla- yeah. like, I reclaim my life, Yeah, you know, and my autonomy yeah. and my body and my selfhood in every single way, shape and form. So yeah. it's knowing that <clears throat> you're not going to be able to please everybody. And that is not my job anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my job as a human being is to be honest and authentic and truthful and to live my life according to the truth that feels good for me. Yeah. And that might not feel good for everyone else. Um, but how another person feels is not my business. Right. Right. It's like, it's not like fucking like emotional cleanup aisle five. That's no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it sounds obvious when you say it, but it's like, it's the hardest thing in the world to do. Yeah. Especially when you've been raised to believe that you are the cause of another person's feelings. Mm hmm. And that you are the reason behind another person's happiness and or misery. Right. Um, and, and I know that there's like, so like, I know that there's so much more to that. Um, but that like, if you don't care, because this was a thing where Hmm. it it would be, um, Hey, (laughs) stop where if I was, 
if I was working or whatever and blah, 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 and it was like, come see me. Or blah, 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 blah. And it was the, that thing of it, it, it never being enough. Mm-hmm. And the minute a boundary is set, you don't love me. Right. You don't care about me. Yeah, yeah. Ba, ba, ba. After after all I did for you, after all I gave to you, <laughs> oh God. you know, which then that goes back to that idea of like, I need to earn my keep, right? you know, um, and that is not love yeah. in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. I, I, I'm grateful. I, you know i i look at it this way if i didn't have the life experience that i had and i'm having i wouldn't be who i am now yeah i love who i am yeah and i love my life (laughs) and i love that i'm just getting started yeah like for real i really feel like i like in October, it'll be a year, but like really October was like the <clears throat> destruction of like the final horror crux mm. and I got myself back. Yeah. Um, and so now it's like a new stage of healing, but we're yeah. not, but, and <laughs> so everything else then is an extension of that. Right. Yeah. Where it's, when I apologize because I've aired, it's I I am not apologizing because I'm afraid I've hurt someone's feelings. I am mm-hmm. apologizing and saying I regret what I've said or the action I've taken mm-hmm. because it doesn't sit well with me, mm-hmm. and their feelings do not come into the picture at all. Mm-hmm. It's I know within my own personal moral compass, right, that I fucked up. Yeah. And I'm going to clean it up because that is what feels good for me. And whether or not it's accepted, yeah. whether or not it's received mm. is not my business. Yeah. Because I know I've taken the action and that's okay because it wasn't about them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean that's that's the hard thing. I think you're you're talking a lot about kind of I think this a lot of that is where authenticity comes from, right? So if you're apologizing, like you said, if you're apologizing because of the look on someone else's face, what you're really doing is trying to address how you feel about how they feel about you. Did I say that right? I think I said that right. Um, or really inquiring. Yeah. Instead of, instead of, instead of, like you said, following your own moral compass and being like, well, here, here is the thing that I did wrong and here's the humility that I have to admit it and, you know, understand it and hopefully not do it again. Um, and that is, I mean, that is the kind of thing that is very, I think, difficult, not only for us with our, with, you know, the way that we were raised, but kind of for everybody, just this idea of maintaining an individual self, uh, while at the same time functioning in the world at large. Um, sometimes it seems like those two things are really at odds with each other. But I think a lot of what you're getting at is that when you feel safe within yourself and you feel trust for yourself, then Mm -hmm. the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. Yes. I mean, you're, if you like, you love who you love and you care about who you care about. If if you care about other people's feelings kind of as a, 
as an authentic personality trait, then you are going to be attempting not to hurt people um, for yourself and not necessarily for how, you know, you appear to others. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's a hard thing to get to, but I really, I don't know. I, I do look to you for, you know, those kinds of thoughts and that kind of context, because I feel like we are on pretty similar paths. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, I'm not at a place where I can, lift up all the covers yet and mm. so hearing other people doing work yeah is you know it's 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 a safer feeling way for now to at least be aware of the work that might be coming up uh for me or you know to learn the language of it and everything so i think that's really helpful hopefully that's hopefully we're doing that for somebody right now yeah and and you yeah. know what like if we are that's amazing and and if we're not and nobody's listening and we're talking in the, into the other we're doing yeah. it for each other yeah right that's very true. um because and that is the only reason that i'm so incredibly forthright and honest and that doesn't mean I'm forthright and honest with what I feel forth, what I feel comfortable being forthright mm. and honest about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I'm still doing work. Yeah. You know, and mm. I share very freely and openly about the work that I'm doing. And also I'm very aware for me that when I'm still in deep, deep process about something, and I haven't formulated the language. I'm not going to share it because yeah. <clears throat> I I don't know what the answer is for me yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And and so with that too, like when I shared with you about like my MDMA experience and everything beforehand and blah, blah, blah. And, <clears throat> you know, I went into detail with you in a way that I haven't gone into detail, like with the like public at large, mm-hmm. which is fair. Um, and also like, this is something else too. It's, it's about getting to be in choice, right? Mm. Where, <clears throat> I, when you are essentially presented with the choice of survival or possible death, Mm. but survival comes with compartmentalizing self in a way that, um, makes you feel guilt and makes you feel shame and makes you feel small and makes you feel all of these things, Mm. which you're not even allowed to feel Mm. because again, you are not our person. Mm. You are an extension of and for someone else. Getting to take the path then to recognizing that you are allowed to be in choice and that you are allowed to choose self. Yeah. And that in choosing self, it doesn't mean that you're going to die. Yeah. You know, and that's terrifying the first couple of times. 
But then with that too, there's also like a deep grief and there's mm-hmm. a deep rage. I mean, gosh, like the yeah. the grieving that I've done in, in regards to <clears throat> not necessarily like how much time was wasted, mm-hmm. but really tag along. No t- tag along. No need. <laughs> um but there is a deep grief that comes with the with the freedom. Yeah. Because it's also then you need to recognize how how long you've been caged. Yeah, and I mean freedom can be terrifying choice can be terrifying yeah uh, when you're not used to it absolutely especially when you're told that like you're stupid like that was was Mm -hmm. big stuff for me stupid dumb yep let me take care of it let me do it yep yep because you don't know just yeah you're doing it wrong you're doing it wrong yeah what that like at any time choice was made what the hell is wrong with you yeah what the hell is wrong with you yeah you were so stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, what is wrong with you? Um, and then, at, so then also it, it goes to the self-fulfilling prophecy of mm-hmm. then when I would make choice, that would make me feel like a little powerful. Mm-hmm. I would automatically feel terrified that I'd made the wrong choice. Yeah. And then as a result, like, look at my life waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for the punishment, waiting yep. for that ba 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 and now <sighs> I'm now getting to continually make choices for me and the like test for me is this the truth feels good. Mm-hmm. Does this feel good? And, and the difference between like feeling good and <laughs> feeling good yeah. where, because making other people happy makes me feel good. Yeah. You know, getting praise. Yeah. Like it makes me feel good. Yeah. Fuck yeah, for sure. But that's <laughs> the ego. Yeah. But like the truth feels good. Mm-hmm. Meaning I'm willing to lose relationships. Mm. I'm willing to lose status. Mm. I'm willing to lose. Um, I'm willing to shatter the perception that others have mm. may have of me. Um, because th- this is my truth and that yeah. truth feels good. It feels good to me. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And I mean, it's, it's gotta be scary in the business that you're in, uh, where people Mm -hmm. really, people really, a a lot of times need a known quantity. You know, they want things that are not chaotic. I will tell you what, (laughs) I will tell you the fuck Mm. (laughs) what, um, and this is actually huge. This is really, really huge. Oh, goddess. Like, God love it. Goddess love it. Um, (laughs) Ah, fuck. I'm like, fuck this shit. 
<laughs> I'm like, oh my god, they're right, both right here. Perfect. I don't even need to move. Because um, sometimes when I have like a really big revelation, I'm like, this is like about to be like divine fucking, and I need a cigarette <laughs> to to go with it. Um, <laughs> sorry, kids, it's true. I do smoke, but my body, my choice. Yeah. So please don't at me and tell me not to smoke. It's it's unhealthy. I smoke too. It's unhealthy. We realize it. Uh, but you know what? You know what? Mm. YOLO. Th- that's relative. It's true. It's very like, true. Like unhealthy, like that's relative. It's true. Living in Los Angeles and waking up with smog every morning is essentially like breathing <laughs> in like two cartons of camel filterless. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's unhealthy. You know, um it's healthy for me. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it's good for my mental health. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, yep. You know, that's where I am. Yeah. And like with that too, it's, we can say that booze is unhealthy. We can say that pot is unhealthy. We can mm-hmm. say, you know, and isn't that so funny? And by the way, they're American spirits. <laughs> so they're additive free. As they say, it's like smoking a couch. Um, <laughs> I've never heard that. You've never heard that? Uh-uh. Yes. I've also never smoked a couch. I don't know that I've ever smoked a couch. Well, let's find a good couch to smoke next time. Oh, dude, I'm getting rid of that fucking piece of shit couch that's in my <laughs> other place. God, I cannot wait to get rid of that piece of shit. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that what I was going to say is this, because you were saying like the, the industry that I'm in and blah, 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 blah. Right? So they, they talk a lot about typecasting, yeah? hmm And this is why, you know, like, I feel a lot more comfortable now um, than ever before saying this, where I don't know if I'll act again. Mm. And totally feeling okay with that. Mm. Like, totally feeling okay with that. Because, mm. you know, part of what made me such an incredible actor was the fact that um, through every single role that I played, I was trying to discover and find out who I was. Mm. Right? Yeah. And when I got to my mid-20s, and I was still, and even like, still kind of today, though, really not so much anymore. Now it's like 50-year-olds that are 250 pounds. Please come and audition for this. <laughs> no. Thank you. Interesting. No, ma'am. No, sir. Thank you. Um, but I, I would get so frustrated in my 20s, and I, didn't, I, I couldn't formulate the words then the way that I can now, which mm. is, no, I've already, I've already, I know that side of myself now. Mm. I don't need to know it anymore. Mm. I want to discover new parts of self. Right. Through the, through the roles that I play. Right. Right? Yeah. And getting to see now that um, if I get to find a part that is bigger than me in the sense of a part that is worthy of me, meaning... Ooh, I haven't, I haven't discovered this aspect of self yet. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to 
delving into there, right. as terrifying as it might be. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's really like what it is for me today. And, and, and more importantly, I feel like we are at a golden age and a new renaissance in this industry hmm. where I know that the numbers are abysmal in regards to female writers and female directors. Mm-hmm. But then you have Emily Best, Seaton Spark, right? Yeah. You have um, an incredible amount of, of individuals that are invested to storytelling mm-hmm. and and really putting their money where their mouth is. And so uh, I've never felt more centered and sure mm. about anything else in my life when it comes to what my individual journey is going to be. Yeah. So I really don't give a fuck anymore hmm. what people think of me because I don't need them. Hmm. And that's different than <clears throat> I know I didn't get here on my own. Hmm. I'm very, mm-hmm. very, 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 very aware of that. Yeah. And I guess what I mean is is more importantly it doesn't define my joy. Mm. And my happiness and no one is coming between my joy and myself. Mm. No one is coming between my purpose and me like that. I, I hold so, so with such reverence Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, there's such sacredness to it. Yeah. Um, and I feel the support of the entire fucking universe, Yeah. you know, so it's not fear-based Yeah, yeah, yeah anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's so much interesting there. I think, you know, the idea that you're talking about, um, expressing yourself through acting and learning, like you're, you know, essentially seeking yourself, um, that idea that's interesting to me because so many of us kind of go into expression as a as a business right because it's it's not the kind of thing you can necessarily do seriously as a hobby right um a lot of these things take so much out of you hours out of your day and and emotional energy that you can't uh you can't necessarily you know be working 9 to 5 as an insurance adjuster and then also you know be doing this really extreme heavy work. Um, but that idea of expression, you know, that, that has not an end point, but that, that has at least a a point of, of, of being satiated at least a little bit. Right. So I think that would seem foreign to a lot of people like Harrison Ford's not going to stop acting because he discovered himself, you know, he's going to, whatever he's just going to keep acting because that's his job and you know not maybe maybe uh not everyone or definitely not everyone gets into the business of expression because that's what they want to do for 
money or for their business, right? For the rest of their lives. Yeah. Uh, you can fall into it and be great at whatever expression, you know, whether it's acting or music or painting, sculpting, anything like that. Um, you can kind of fall into it and be really great at it because you're looking for something and then you find it and then all of a sudden you're kind of done. And I don't, I don't feel like society treats people like that very well. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like we look at people like that and go like, Oh, what a, what a loss that, you know, this person stopped doing this thing that everybody loved, uh, that they were doing. But it goes back to what you're saying about how there are things that are essentially at the end of the day about us and about what we, uh, are looking for and whether it's in ourselves or, or, you know, outside in the universe. You know, it's, uh, I was just, I was um, talking with my love the other night. We're getting ready to write something, which I'm so fucking excited about. Mm. Um, that's the other thing too. I feel I'm grateful that I've gotten to be surrounded by such brilliant people. Mm. Yeah. Like such brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people. Um, of, of all different modalities that are, are so talented and, and so genius. And it just, it it makes me so grateful Mm. because water seeks its own level, right? Yeah, Yeah. So it's the genius in me recognizes the genius in you Mm. and vice versa. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and so, and the reason that I went on that whole tangent is because I was saying I was getting ready to start writing with my love who, honest to fucking Christ on the cross, like in my lifetime, I've probably read a total of two to 3,000 scripts. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Um, and she is probably one of the most brilliant writers I've ever come mm. across. And so, like, getting to know that I'm going to get to work with her is like, holy, it's amazing, and yeah. it's so exciting. Um, but w- we were talking, and blah, 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 and I was suffering through a little bout of insomnia. And as I do, and as I'm sure everybody did, especially this past week with the eclipse, um, I am a devotee of Shawnee Nichols, hmm. Shawnee Nicholas. I always get her name, her last name wrong. Um, <laughs> and her, her words for like, she's like an astrologer and she's actually been on the show and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, the whole entire point is that she was talking about like, for Scorpios, their work, you know, and that, what is it that makes your heart hum? Mm. Even if you don't get paid for it, what is it that makes your heart hum? Yeah. And I was, I was asking myself, like, what is it that really makes my heart hum? What is it that if I never got paid, what is it that I would do? Mm. Like really? Right. Um, and I was like, yeah, I would, I would tell stories, storyteller, like that's it, you know? And if I desired to play a role, I would write the role for myself. Mm. Great. And that then made me think of Adrian Shelley mm. who, um, yeah. you know, was tragically murdered in 2006 
I think. Um, and she was a writer and a director and an actor. And she'd started as an actor. She was Hal Hartley's ingenue in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, her second to last work, Waitress, which... Amazing. You ha- like, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Like, so fucking incredible. And I remember she had given me an award at um, the Gen Art Film Festival. Oh, wow. Um, probably when I was 16, 15 or 16, something like that. Mm. And, you know, I, I was reading an interview that she had given the other night and she was talking about telling stories and she was talking about being a director and she was talking, I could feel her passion, Mm. um, through this written text and I was like, yes, like, that's it. Like, th- that's the calling. And back then, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s, like, women weren't really, I mean, they aren't now. Um, but she did it. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, where it's nobody said it couldn't be done, so I did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And... And I really do believe that, like, and I think I talked about this the other week, like, uh, Paulo Coelho, the alchemist, Mm, you know, and um, everybody does have a calling. And there are signs and there are omens, and I really do believe that to be true in my own life. And the question is, are you going, are you going to, A, listen, and then are you going to take action? Right. You know, is the dream of doing something greater than the actual doing? Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Because then once you do it, do you have another dream in you? Mm. And for me, I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> because I'm living my dream and that really is just living. Yeah. My dream is living. Hmm. And I'm finally getting to do it. I'm finally getting to fucking live. Hooray! Sorry, I don't. I didn't have anything. That was that was good. I'm 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 stunned. Silence. Uh, I I relate to all of that, and it's beautiful and amazing. The cops are going to come and get us. Yeah, they heard that we enjoy life. So they need to fix that. I don't know. Yeah, and we don't support the KKK. <laughs> so yeah, don't be don't be white supremacists, kids. Just don't. That's that's, that's my advice. Get for another today. career path. Yeah, that's don't. Yeah, if that's what your heart is telling you to do, don't don't follow it. There there are very there are some exceptions for when your heart is telling you to do something. If hating other people makes your heart hum, then you f- figure that out. Yeah, because that's that's not a heart hum, and I think that most people are afraid to listen to their heart because they've we've been conditioned mm. to believe that living doesn't mean feeling good, yes. and that life isn't about feeling good, and that you, especially in this culture, that. Um, we work to live. Right. You we earn, live to yeah. work. You earn things via struggle. 
yes, uh, is what that, capitalism wants you to, yes, to think. Yes, yeah. yes, and that there's something really courageous about the struggle and there's and suffering and yeah. yeah and that's why then it, heaven is so wonderful because then you get your mansion mm-hmm. after you slave away until you're 75 and they drain your pension and you're eating cat food yeah it's all bullshit kids Quit. i mean and that's and that's the truth because let me fucking tell you what i know that i've been afforded the privilege I'm getting to be an actor. I know that um, I've been given a lot of opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, but again, with that too, like it's all relative, right? Like <clears throat> there's somebody that might be like listening to this and fucking bumblefuck Iowa, right? Yeah. That can't see a way out of their small town, you know, because they have responsibilities. They have, parents to take care of ba 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 so it's the illusion of feeling that like you're not in choice mm-hmm. like you don't have a choice right. like this is what you have to do um and again like this is something that's pretty relatively new to me but that every single decision i make is in choice mm-hmm. you know like when i literally had 54 dollars in the bank i didn't know what the fuck i was gonna do because let me tell you, kids, um, I get one cent residuals. <laughs> um, and being a working actor is 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 not is not that glamorous. Um, Can I actually? I want to ask you because yeah. I so I did. I participated in a Twitter chat. You mentioned Seed and Spark earlier. Yes, uh, I did a Twitter chat. with them earlier today one of the things that i said i I forgot the question was something like um you know when have you seen yourself in film i know and i saw your answer (laughs) so being being an asian american man Mm -hmm. and being you know of a certain uh non-stereotypical i guess persuasion um there are very i would say there are zero times that i've seen myself uh in totality but yeah, uh, what I did say was that I've seen parts of myself in different things, and and I did. <laughs> it's funny that we're recording this today because I it, it came up kind of in my mind, you know, totally unrelated, that Don Weiner in Welcome to the Dollhouse was actually. I actually remember watching the movie and and feeling, a specific kinship with that character um and it's been a long time since i've seen the movie but i in thinking about it and trying to reach back and remember what i identified with i I, there there's a lot i mean obviously dawn is is a very special character and i think she's like she's aware of what we're talking about she's aware of choice in a way she's aware of of the fact that she's the hero of her own story, I think, mm-hmm. but the circumstances are overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody else is so egomaniacal and short sighted mm-hmm. that in order for her to exist, she kind of fills in the blanks for other people, which is, you know, again, which is not a way of living. It's, she's not living, she's not able to live her truth or, or make her choices. Yeah. Right? And I feel like, 
looking back, what I identified with was was probably kind of unhealthy. I think I identified with being that kind of put upon, victimized person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not uh, it's not this Hollywood story of of being like, hey, I saw Heather on screen and and it totally changed my life and I became this you know better person. Um, but it was a small reflection of something that I have had to deal with, you know, later in life of, of seeing myself as a victim and how do I dig out of that? How do I really, um, affirmatively start to make choices for myself? Um, seeing myself as not a victim, but as a protagonist, you know, but you know what I would say to you though, mm. for me, at least part of the way out of that, because that was, that was a, a creed that I ascribed to for a very, 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 I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. Mm-hmm. I'm not a victim. And I would say it with such venom mm-hmm. because I never wanted to be thought of as a victim. Yeah. And what I recognized was that I actually was a victim. Yeah. I was a victim of rape. Mm-hmm. I was a victim of emotional abuse. I was a victim of physical abuse. I was a victim um, of quite a few things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and it was only after I recognized that truth and I got to have a coming home moment and a reconciliation mm-hmm. of the truth of, of my life in that way. Yeah. And, that the actions that had been put upon me yeah. that I, I didn't ask for right. that I wasn't given a choice in right. where choice was taken away from me mm-hmm. and I just had to survive. Yeah. When I got to recognize and I got like, yeah, I, I and that was the hardest pill to swallow mm. was getting to have enough love for self and like little self, yeah. like two, three, four, five year old me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, cause I would be like, she was not me. Right. There's such a disassociation Yeah. until yeah. there was like the full integration of, yeah, that I, I was a victim. Right. And then from that place, getting to be like, and now I'm an adult Mm. and I, I get to make, I get to make choices and I, I get to say yes and I get to say no and I get to set those boundaries and I, I get to be in choice, which means then that I get to be responsible for my life, which means then, because I understand what you're saying, because I literally yeah. went through the experience where, why, why, <laughs> why, why aren't I working? Why isn't this? Why this? Ba, yeah. ba, ba, da, da, da. Oh my God, universe, like what the fuck? Like, do you fucking hate me? Like, God damn it. Yeah. And I felt like such a fucking victim yeah. because I really was living from the mindset that I wasn't allowed to be in choice because this is how the world is. And it's, you know, 
so I was still coming at life from like a five-year-old mentality. Um, and then once I got to do my healing and clearing and all that good stuff, you know, like everything, everything changed. And really truthfully, if you want me to be honest, you know, I'd been sober for over 11 years Mm. and after like the MDMA experience, you know, I, I recognized an incredible amount and just hashtag some people should stay sober for the rest of their lives. <laughs> yeah. They should. Um, maybe they should like who the fuck I can only talk about my experience. Yeah. You know, um, but I had gotten sober when I was 22 and you know, it had been told to me that if you drink, you're going to die. Hmm. Ba, 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 ba. And that, you know, you're selfish and you're self-centered and all this shit. And again, like the years that I was sober were very, very helpful and I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. You know, um, they allowed me to grow and develop and be where I am now. However, the point is this, is that after that experience with the MDMA and I had those memories come up and I literally had like a fucking spiritual experience and like spiritual awakening. Um, I'd been thinking about drinking for like a, like a little bit, Hmm. but then I was like, you know what? This right now is like the only choice. It seems that I can make for me Hmm. where I'm going in defiance of what every single person has told me for the last 11 years Mm. that if you have alcoholism to drink is to die. Mm. And if you think about drinking, it means that you're an alcoholic Mm. (laughs) and blah, blah, blah. And, um, I like made the choice like very quietly and I meditated upon it and I was like, listen, like, you know what might happen. Like you might make this choice and you might burn your fucking house down Mm -hmm. and everything along with it. Like, are you like, is this so important? Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, because it was ultimately, I was the one that was making the choice. Where it's, I'm fully aware and I'm going to take full responsibility if this shit goes south. And mm. I can't blame my mom. I can't blame my friends. I can't blame the industry. I can't blame the breakup. I can't blame my new relationship. I can't blame anybody. Yeah. Because I'm very, very, very clearly... Um. And it was a very, not a heavy, I don't want to say heavy. That's not the right word. But I felt that the weight mm-hmm. of the decision that I was making. And yeah. I made it. And A, the house didn't burn down. <laughs> and B it was like the first step that I got to take in terms of 
getting to be in choice and getting to be in responsibility. Yeah. I think that's really important and probably underappreciated is the, what comes along with being in choice and being in control is not necessarily, um, dogmatically avoiding all danger for yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I've been thinking about this kind of as it has to do with my divorce because I know that like for me there, there is definitely kind of a tendency to rush into another relationship so that I don't feel alone, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had decided, well, I'm just not going to get into a relationship for a while so I can figure stuff out. I think that's a good idea, but at the same time, I am going to need to trust myself at some point. If I fall in love with someone right now, I'm not going to say, or I hope I wouldn't say, um, well, I, I'm in love with you, uh, but we should not be together because I made this rule. Um, and I don't, you know, and I don't think we should do whatever. Um, but, but I think, um, Wow, like I, I sort of lost my train of thought, but basically, um, putting like taking responsibility for all of your actions, being really in control of yourself, does mean that you're gonna put yourself knowingly into danger sometimes. And that's just how life works, and I think that that's one of the like I said, it's it's kind of an underappreciated thing, and it's kind of a uh, probably unfairly maligned thing for people uh for people to do that you know to 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 have to say i did this thing i'm putting myself in harm's way it's nobody else that's doing this i'm fully responsible for it um you know seems like the kind of thing that really we're taught not to do well look at look at the you know protesters in charlottesville yeah you know, um, which is a macrocosm of the microcosm, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's it, when you put yourself into life, you put yourself into danger mm-hmm. of yeah. getting our heart broken, of fucking up, mm-hmm. and you know, genuinely hurting someone, um, genuinely being hurt. Yep physically, emotionally, spiritually, in whatever way. Um, And sometimes to the point then that you throw up your hands and you make the choice to not make a choice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's still making a choice. Right. Um, You're choosing to not take responsibility. Yep. Because you, you get to see that possible quote-unquote ramifications of that responsibility. And that then to me is where like I made the choice um, to start smoking um, marijuana Partially because I have really bad arthritis. Mm. It's very helpful. Mm. But also, historically, I would have the experience of being very, very paranoid. Mm. And it it was not a good match. Mm. It wasn't good. But I made that choice anyway. Mm. 
And then I had the experience and what I recognized, you know, what I, what I didn't recognize in my late teens and early twenties, I recognized recently was that what it does for me is that it puts me in my body. Mm. And then when I become aware of my body, I all of a sudden become so aware that I then feel like I'm going to die. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and that is really because I, I'm not in control. Yeah. I'm not in control of what's happening with my body mm-hmm. and I don't feel safe to lose myself in my body right. with good reason. Yeah. Hello, right. sex, trauma, <laughs> PTSD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, but like, but with that too, right? It's, 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 instead of then freaking out when I had that experience, I asked for help and I was like, Heather, this is what's happening. Will you just hold me? Mm. Um, and she was like, yeah, baby, she did. And that too like getting to ask for what you need getting to ask for what you want and she could have been like nope i would have been like oh my god okay (laughs) okay but that goes to something bigger i wouldn't be with somebody that would be like nope yep because i wouldn't be with a fucking asshole Mm -hmm. um so Really, like, the responsibility, like, in terms of, like, choice and, like, whatever and putting oneself in deeper situations, I really, it's, like, is the decision being made out of love or fear? Right. And is it, I'm, like, because betraying self in order to not betray another is the highest form of betrayal. Mm. You know? Yeah. And so we have like a thing in our house with like Heather and I, where it's the highest choice for you is the highest choice for me, Mm. you know? And so there's never any feeling of sacrifice Mm. and there's never any feeling of like fine, like, and then being put upon and then being secretly resentful, but then feeling guilty (laughs) that you feel resentful, but this is what relationships are and they're compromised and blah, 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 blah. But there's always still going to be that little seed, Mm -hmm. you know, and what it really is, is I betrayed self in this moment. So I wouldn't betray another. And the only reason I did that was because I was afraid of what their response would be if I chose me. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, and I can tell you this, I've never been let down every single time I've chosen me because I love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that seems like pretty powerful validation. But I also had to have the experience of like not loving me for a very long time. Yep. And feeling incredibly unlovable. Yeah. You know, like that's what I was raised on. Yeah. Um, and that also then like what I was seeking then was just 
do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What conditions do I have to meet in order to gain your love? Mm-hmm. You know, and and then if you're happy with me, it means that I'm good and it means I'm doing something right. So I wasn't living for me. I was living for you. Yeah. You know, because then who am I without your love? Right. Who right. am I without feeling safe in that way? Yeah. And for me, like, it really is like, I'm going to die. Like, it's that fucking terror. Yeah. I relate. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when that's your, your first experience of quote unquote home. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's like the tattoo that I have on my back to love is to die. Mm-hmm. It's like, I already, I already done died. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it's, I'm willing to die. I'm willing, I'm fucking willing to die, dude. Yeah. Like again and again and again and again. I am willing to die because I've, because I already have. Yeah. Like the thing that cut me off from the sunlight of the spirit the thing that like annihilated and fractured my soul. I would never let happen again. Mm. And at the time I had no choice. Mm-hmm. I was too young. Yeah. Um, and the terror is that like, that's going to happen again. And I don't want that to happen again ever. Um, and recognizing that, Oh, well, like that's the love. Like that's the love. I'm just soaking it all in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud of you. You know, I mean, like we haven't known each other that long, but uh, just as far as, I mean, we talked about it earlier, you... You do the work, um, and it's not about, you know, what the right way is to heal from these things or to move on from, from things or to discover more about yourself. It's, it's about the work that you're doing, um, how valuable it is to you, but also, you know, sharing it with people, including me, um, and it's been a huge help. And I just, yeah, I mean, being proud of you as, as a friend, uh, as someone who I see is very courageous to, to be doing all of this, but also grateful to, uh, to be able to learn and, and have these conversations with you. It's amazing. I received that and yeah. I say, thank you. And I'm also very aware that like, it's a privilege that, you know, I feel that mental health should be a right in this country mm-hmm. and it, it shouldn't, it should be a right everywhere. You know, and and it shouldn't be a a privilege, you know, and um, and so as I speak and as I share, you know, I I also want to be very clear with everybody that's listening, you know, that might be sitting there and thinking, man, that sounds well and that sounds good and all that shit, but like. I don't have access to that. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, that when I first started going to this therapist, you know, I was very honest about my financial situation mm. and they were, 
every single therapist that I've had, you know, I've been honest with because therapy can be hella expensive, mm-hmm. like two fifty an hour, yep. unless like it's like if like if you have insurance that covers it, then they only cover I think like twelve sessions, mm. you know, and like with that too, they're not going to cover all of it, and it mm. has to be an in network psychologist, mm-hmm. which means then that you have a limited array of you know, therapists that you can choose from and that you end up settling for somebody that because they're in network versus finding the one that you really intuitively feel would be able to be helpful. This is like that friendships of convenience thing that we're talking about Mm -hmm. at the beginning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. And so, so I, I just want everybody to know that like, I'm, I'm very, very, very aware of that. And with that too, you know, I was, I asked um, if they had uh, rates that were slideable, Hmm. you know, and every single one of the therapists that I've had, you know, did have rates. They had a sliding scale fee, Hmm. you know, because they actually believed more in helping individuals than they believed in taking your money and going home. Hmm. And, um, it was like through those, like through that one therapist that was like, that was humble enough to recognize that he had hit the ceiling with me mm. and to say, I think that ayahuasca might be helpful for you, mm. you know? Um, and he didn't have to say that and yeah. he did. And he, he could have kept on seeing me week after week after week after week after week and taking my money and ba 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 ba, you know. But he was aware of his own limitations, yeah. you know, because my my trauma was like it needed a dynamite. It needed a piece of dynamite to dislodge the trauma mm. that was so deeply buried. Right. Um, and also, every single therapist that I've gone to has also been very spiritual, not religious, spiritual. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and is also very aware of their own humanness as well. Mm. You know, so if you're sitting here and you're wondering and you're thinking and you're like, Oh no, what do I do? And like, maybe I like want to go on this journey. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to start, you know, like ask friends, you know, like look online, um, and be honest, you know, like, what can you afford? You know, like, maybe, like, the, the dude that I'm working with now, who I am eventually going to have on this podcast mm. once our work is completed, you know, he's a somatic um, therapist, mm. which deals with um, neurological pathways in regards to how when an animal is in trauma, mm-hmm. um, like a gazelle gets chased by a leopard or a, a lion mm. and the lion sinks its teeth into the neck and the gazelle just lays there like it's dead. And then it feels the coast is clear and it shakes off everything mm. and has the, be- the ability to run. Mm. Whereas with humans, you know, our bodies can get frozen in time, Mm. like in that trauma. 
Hmm. Which is like part of what triggering is. Hmm. Right. Is that a sight, a sound, a smell, a touch, a mood, whatever it is, all of a sudden your body is right back to where the trauma happened, even though nothing is going on. Yeah. Um, and, and so working with him, you know, and the work that he does, like, hey, tag along. Um, he does quite a tag along. He does, like, a lot of work, and he's um, really, tag along. Knock it off. And he um, is really, really great at what he does, but, like, the stuff that we're getting ready for, again, like, is quite expensive. Hmm. And him saying to me, you know, I know that you're a writer. Um, so we can keep it at like this rate that I gave you. Hmm. Um, and then you just write about your experience and like whatever. And I'm like, amazing. Cause he's like, I don't believe that healing should, um, not be available just because you don't have monetary means. Yeah. And that is huge. Yeah. Fuck, I hate that fucking word. That motherfucker has ruined it for me. <laughs> um, but so that's just that's just a little um, PSA to like everybody that's that's listening that that might be like I don't know, ba-da-da. like the people that like are really truly willing to help. You know, um, they're they're out there. They really, really are. Yeah, and therapy is pretty amazing. Like it, it is a lot what you make of it, and finding the right fit and everything. But once you find that fit and you find the work that you are wanting to do and are supposed to do, it's it's a pretty intense and great thing. Yeah, and also getting to like set an intention. Like, what is the intention? Like, yeah. really, what is it? Um, and not lying. Um, and that, you know, therapy also, like, has end dates. You know, like, I was with my therapist in L.A. for almost two years, and then I knew that it was, like, the end of the chapter. Mm. I knew I was ready for something more. Mm. Um you know, and, and even getting to be to that because I'm, I'm, I think that it can be very easy to then become dependent on your therapist mm, right. and like, you tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and luckily like the therapists that I've worked with have always uh, pointed it back at me, mm. you know, and really were gentle guiders towards um, steering me back to the one who really truly knows which is self mm-hmm. you know um, and also you have to be like it's uncomfortable and it's fucking painful um, but I was willing to do the fucking work I had no fucking other choice Yeah, you know like I really didn't because I I ultimately I didn't want to fucking die Yeah, I really didn't want to die I just wanted to go home yeah you know, and like suicide seemed like the only logical, it seemed like the, the, the hardest yet the easiest mm-hmm. way where it's like, 
I don't want the pain to end. I really just want to go home. Mm. I'm going to go home. Yeah. I, I want to go back to the ultimate comfort and I find no comfort here. Mm. None. I find no safety here. You know, um, and that's terrifying, you know, like when you don't feel safe with self. Yep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this has been the light, lighthearted, happy, uplifting yeah. episode this, of Shut yeah. Up and Listen. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we'd like to bring you joy yep. and, and laughs. I was wearing a clown outfit this whole time, so... <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely in in keeping with the tone. Oh my god, that just makes me think of Super Mario Brothers, and it <laughs> makes me think of like those things that would throw like the spiked little like things yeah, down yeah. from the sky. Yep. Oh fucking Christ! I can't do fucking video games. All I can do is like <laughs> NBA. I like can't do fucking video games. <laughs> I can't because I got because the second I thought of that, I got so angry. <laughs> It's like, God damn it, I've been on this level for 10 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, listen, I I actually, I really desire for you to like become a regular guest. Oh, wow. Thank you. I, let's talk about that. I might have some time. Oh my God, that sounds awesome. <laughs> um, Shauna, I fucking love you, dude. You're fucking awesome. I love awesome. you too so much. Thank you. This was so good. So glad to talk with you regardless of the format. Dude, same. And um, everybody, thank you so much for listening next week. Who knows who we're going to have on? It's bound to be somebody good. And also, please rate review subscribe like please leave a review on itunes um please rate this show it actually is important i do read all of the reviews um and i i really appreciate them and appreciate you guys for taking time out of your life to listen to the show i know that um time is very very valuable and i honor yours. Um, Thanks so much. See you next week. Bye.